listening to a podcast from the University of Manchester. Hello and welcome to the final episode of this season of The Buzz. We hope you have enjoyed it. In this episode, we're tackling a question that affects almost all of our listeners. We're asking, how can you stay safe online? We're going to chat to Professor Daniel Dresner, Professor of Computer Science here at the University of Manchester. Before that though, Joe, I prepared for you a quiz. It's now your turn to test your knowledge. Are you ready? I'm ready as I'll ever be. Okay, so it's a true or false quiz. It's quite similar to your um, robot name quiz. Okay, great. We go through uh, names of different types of computer attacks that hackers might use to kind of get your information. So okay. uh, give a, a title of an attack, and then you have to say whether you think it's true or false, okay? Okay, got it. So the first one we have up is the birthday attack. The birthday attack. Um, I'm going to say that sounds true, just because it sounds quite odd. <laughs> sure, uh, it is true. Um, yep. So the birthday attack is correct. Um, it's named after the uh, the paradox in maths where um, you're trying to find out the amount of people that would be needed in a room for there to be a 50% likelihood that um, two people in that room share birthday. And so the paradox is that actually that number is really low. It's only 23 people. So all you need wow. is for 23 people to be in a room and there's a 50% chance that um, people in that room will share birthday. And in computer science, it's similar to um, how random a hash is. So a hash is a way of encrypting data. Uh, and apparently uh, you assume that a random string of characters will be very random and quite hard to guess or have two people have the same type of hash. But apparently the birthday attack uses an exploit. I don't really know, Joe. Uses an exploit <laughs> around uh, the 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 commonality of those two hashes being similar or something. I'm sure our computer science fans will write in and say how much I've looked Hopefully people will get the gist. Wow. It sounds quite quite complex, but obviously has the has the desired effect from the, the hacker's point of view. Yeah, so the next um, birthday birthday the next computer attack I've got for you is a spear phishing attack. Spear phishing attack. Um, well, obviously, I've heard of phishing, as in kind of email phishing, uh, but then spear phishing just makes me think of people in the ocean. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to guess at it being false. It is true, Joe. It's true. So you were, you were half right. So phishing is spelt with a ph, um, yeah. and spear phishing is, um, I guess, a, a, a lot more specific and targeted form of phishing attack. So that will be um, I will try to get. So if I'm trying to target you, Joe, I might specifically send you a Manchester United email because you like Manchester United, <laughs> and it's like targeted kind of uh, attack, that, yeah. uh, which gives its name spear phishing. And I'd be gullible. Yes. Yeah. enough to <laughs> sure. open and click that. <laughs> yes. Um, Link to that, I've got the phishing rod attack. Is that true or false? Fishing rod attack. Uh, I'm thinking you're being clever with words there, so I'm going to say false. You are correct. I was being yes. very clever with words. <laughs> and um, that is not that was a made-up one. Okay, <laughs> we've got three more left. We have okay. got crypto jacking. 
crypto jacking. Yeah. That sounds like it could be real. Um, crypto jacking. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a punt at uh, that one being true. That is true. Yes. Correct. Would you like to take a guess at what this could be? Well, obviously, I'm aware of uh, kind of cryptocurrency, uh, so I'm guessing something to do with that jacking. All I can think of is kind of like phone jacking and uh, guy jacking. Some, I don't know, some kind of, I don't know, breaking into someone's crypto account or something like that. I mean, that's a good guess. So you, you're almost there. So crypto jacking, yeah, uh, it's to do with cryptocurrency. Uh, cryptocurrency is uh, mined. So you get a computer to run a series of uh, mathematics equations to mine a cryptocurrency. So a Bitcoin, your computer will run loads of equations, and then you'll get a Bitcoin from it. Again, very simplified. I'm sure we're going to get lots of people <laughs> saying that's not correct. <laughs> but... Uh, Yes, that's essentially the, the idea. And jacking is where you essentially force or trick another computer to doing that for you, so you don't have to use your own resources. So right. someone might send you a virus that um, uh, makes your computer hook up to this network where it's doing the mining for you, and that's crypto jacking. So, um, yeah. Uh, and then they would then get the Bitcoin themselves, not, not you, even though you're doing all the work. Right, wow. Okay, we've got the bag of flower attack. Bag of flower attack. Um, I, I can't kind of link that to any uh, kind of computer-based <laughs> thing. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that being false. That is correct. It is false. It was yes. completely made up. I, I thought maybe it would be so out there you'd think oh, I made that up. I was, I was wondering. <laughs> Um, and finally, the final one we have is drive-by attack. Drive-by attack. Mm. So, so obviously, I've heard of drive-by shooting. Uh, drive-by drive. Could that be related to computers in some way? Drive-by. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for false on that one again. I think that's another uh, something that happens in real life. Uh, well. <laughs> Not in the kind of computer sphere. Sure. Uh, I'm afraid you're wrong, Joe. Oh. It is a true one. And I've actually at least been uh, attacked by this. I don't think I fell for it, thankfully. Wow. Um, so it's uh, uh, hackers will um, uh, kind of ha set up a physical thing that will kind of spurt out a computer virus via either Bluetooth or internet. So if you walk past a certain zone, right. and I'll tell you why I came across the zone, in Manchester Piccadilly in the city centre, mm. it's like, a, I don't know if it's a virus or whatever, but you walk past certain, I don't know where it is, I think it's on Market Street. Right. If you walk past there and you've got your Bluetooth, Bluetooth turned on, um, there'll be something that sends you like a, a file attachment. And I'm like, oh, well, wow. what's this? And, don't open, don't download. I haven't downloaded it because I'm a, no. a good computer sense guy. But yeah. apparently, um, yeah, they can send you viruses and stuff. Yeah. And that's a drive-by attack. Well, I mean, Piccadilly Station and Market Street in Manchester are two of the biggest, uh, the busiest spots, aren't they? So, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely got to be careful there. Yeah, and you can be careful by listening to this episode of The Buzz as we talk to Professor Daniel Dresner all about how to stay safe online.
What are some of the most important things to remember when you're trying to be safe online? Ooh. Well, there's a lot of obviously you can do, but the f first and foremost, first and foremost is that you should uh, you know be able to enjoy technology, and you should be able to get the best out of it. Obviously, you well, say obviously, but uh, I would hope you would want to get the best out of it um, safely. And it really depends on what you're doing. Are you just looking something up to find out what's on uh, what's on TV tonight, checking the IMDb for somebody you've recognised, or does it get a bit more serious, like uh, banking, uh, or maybe applying for a job, or uh, paying a bill, or all of those other things that we now sort of take as day-to-day -day activities and especially over the last year or perhaps even more than just the last year uh, have become kind of day-to-day -day bits of routine so we need to really think about kind of the tools that we're using because a computer is a tool uh, you know uh, our, our phones our phones are powerful computers as well and uh like like all tools uh you can uh, you know you can take the hammer and you can knock the nail in or you can miss the nail and hit your finger <laughs> or worse still you might hit somebody else <laughs> or somebody else knocking the nail in could hit you so uh, it's internet security is, is, is a slightly funny thing so people are always using this kind of analogy of um you know of road safety and the like uh, you know in the early days everyone used to talk about the information superhighway. uh the analogy only hangs sort of holds together too long because you know with road safety if you think of it yeah you look both ways before you cross and you make a judgment in terms of when it's safe to cross and you start crossing i would hope that nobody's ever in the position on road safety where the the oncoming car that sees you deliberately swerves <laughs> to actually hit you and that's the thing with cybersecurity is there are, there are some people who either want to get to our data because they can monetize that. Uh, they might want to get to our systems because they want to monetize that through some sort of extortion. Uh, or maybe just because we've got a computer, we're one of the millions of devices in the world that they can use and try and take over to do something really big. So you might think, well, who's going to attack me? They're not actually interested in you in, as such. They might just be interested in the fact that you've got a device and it's the day of the Grand National, so let's take the threaten to take the bookies offline so that we can uh, we can ransom them to, uh, to 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 get to get them on. So all of those kind of threats are out there, but the good news is is that the, you know, there's still a lot you can do to try and stay safe. But the other side of stuff as well is not just saying safe, is also having sort of the, the cyber grab bag, as it were, uh, a sort of a, a cyber CPR to recover when bad things happen. Because chances are bad things will happen at some stage and at different levels. We talk an awful lot about digital inclusion. Um, and the worry, of course, is great, we're included, we're online. Well, what happens when we get excluded? All of a sudden, we were, had all of that convenience, and we'd stopped going to the post office with our pile of paper to renew our car tax. Uh, all of a sudden, we have to learn how to live uh, as, as we used to. So really, we need kind of a little kind of a sort of an escape route when bad things happen. But that, of course, still requires a little bit of preparation. Sure. So um, you, you're saying then, I guess, that 
it's not just like the everyday person has to be worried about this as well. It's not just someone who's got necessarily something to hide or something valuable, but the average person like me or Joe, we, we are vulnerable as vulnerable as other people to this. Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, that's where, that's where the kind of the car thing, so the that analogy kind of does kind of hold up. Uh, Cause if you're a, okay, not everybody has a car, but, if you are a car owner, you've got certain responsibilities, you know, in the way you drive, in the way that you look after your car, um, in the, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a car which is more than three years old, you have to have it, have it MOT'd, you know, and that's a test of its safety. Doesn't tell you whether it's a good car in the same way I've got a driving license. Doesn't tell you anything about my driving, but at least you know that someone somewhere has checked things to a minimum standard. So I've got some responsibilities. And when it comes down to it, never mind, never mind the laws, never mind the laws, perhaps I ought to be responsible for making sure that my lights work and my brakes work. So similarly, if there are some basic essential cybersecurity precautions that I can do, then why would I not want to do them, not just for myself, but also for other people? Uh, some time back, uh, chap, you, know, you, you know, as soon as people hear that you kind of, you know, you work with computers, all of a sudden they want you to become their, uh, their, their local IT support. So this chap comes up to me and just says, oh, you know all about computers. So I was, uh, I, I was expecting that moment. My late father was a dentist, and I'm not kidding. People used to come up and start putting their fingers in their mouth and pointing oh, to no. problems. Like at parties? I mean, what's that all about? <laughs> anyway, so he comes up to me and starts talking about uh, he's got a problem with a computer, and guess what? It, it, it's the one that we all suffer. You know, they, you know they're, they're, if, they're, if there's any conspiracy in the universe, it's printers, isn't it? They're all <laughs> ranged against us. You know, they'll work fine just until you really need something urgently. And sure enough, this guy needed to print something off. It had been working and, you know, uh, well, computers work uh, in binary, don't they? So it was working, click, and then it wasn't. No click. And he, he wanted to know why. So I need a little bit more information. So what are you trying to print from and all of that kind of stuff? And it turns out he was trying to print a spreadsheet from Excel. Okay, been there, done that, uh, as I'm sure many people have done. And so, you know, a little bit more. Well, you know, what kind of computer are you using? You know, which version and all of that kind of stuff. And it came out in the conversation that this was a computer he'd had for years. Uh, yes, it was connected to the internet. No, he'd never kept anything up to date. Why should he? It was working and the like. So, okay, so I always kind of think, well, you know, there, was, there was a time when I was waiting, to, I was on my way home anyway. You know, I'd, uh, get, you know, I'd stop work for the day and here's somebody after, you know, I'm, I'm a part-time consultant and some, somebody's asking me for free advice, you know, and that just gets, you know, that just gets to you that, how could they possibly expect that? <laughs> so anyway, so it didn't put me in the best, uh, in the, in the best of moods that this guy didn't look after his, his own equipment. And now when he's run into a problem, expect somebody else to kind of dig, dig him out. So I started discussing this issue that it's not necessarily just his safety. It's the fact that you're connected to the network or he's connected to a greater network. And if he didn't take responsibility for looking after his own kit, 
then actually it could well be my granddaughter's homework that he was putting at risk. Uh, and this kind of gave him a, sort of a, a little bit of a, a shock that it was not that it was not the conversation he was expecting. Um, and uh, he, he, he went away to actually think that, yeah, perhaps, perhaps um, he might ought need to invest in some uh, in, in some new equipment or at least taking care to update uh, what, what he's got. But that, of course, is the really odd thing about software, isn't it? We buy uh, software and hardware. We buy it and we expect it to work. You know, we're used to simple things like uh, you know washing machines, perhaps, and you know a, a piece breaks and it gets replaced. But a washing machine is there to wash clothes. You know, it's not there to you know to record programs and do the dishes. Or perhaps maybe uh, people might try it in rather un some unfortunate circumstances. <laughs> but on the, but on the on the whole, it's relatively easy to understand. Whereas computers are developed for us to well, kind of, what are we going to do with them? So you know, uh, kind of the universal Turing machine that we should be able to do and an, any anything on. So with that with that in mind. It's very hard to predict how it might actually be used. And that level of complexity means that almost certainly somewhere when two things come together, I was going to start singing a Frankie Goes to Hollywood song there, <laughs> um, then some, there's going to be some sort of conflict. Uh, um, these are generally termed as a, as a vulnerability that somebody can therefore take advantage of, take over the computer, do bad stuff with it, uh, and, and, and so on. So in a way, although we don't know it at the time, and often the people who sell it to us don't know it at the time, probably you could even say every device that we buy, every piece of software that we buy is actually already broken. Uh, you know, but we can't kind of go back to uh, name the electronic store of your choice and stand in the queue and go back to the customer service desk. On the whole, most of the time, while it's in kind of its support mode, then at least, you know, we can, we, you know, we get the updates uh, and the like. And, and this is possibly the single most, you know, the great, you know, the great piece of advice. You know, you, you have your, was it the, uh, you know, the Desert Island discs where you've got to choose eight records and then at the end of the, uh, the end of the program, you're only allowed to keep one. Uh, and everybody wants to know, what do we need to do to say safe online? Just, just tell us one thing, because nobody wants anything complex. So everybody, f f so that's the first problem. People want to, complex um, universal machines uh, 24 7 services etc etc um, but they don't want to pay for them and they don't want to put any effort in for the, uh, themselves so the idea of possibly having to stop for half an hour and occasionally it could be longer a lot of the time is a lot shorter to uh, you know to switch it on and off again accept the updates and all of that kind of stuff um, you know does put a, a lot of people off. However, those updates that people are sending, uh, like that guy with the Excel spreadsheet the, that I started, well, I didn't actually shout at him. Uh, I just, <laughs> I, I, I just I, in, in, Paddington, in Paddington style, I just gave him a hard stare. Um, <laughs> then, you know, why would we not take these updates, which all the time are there to make us a bit safer? And so many of the well, we, we call them attacks. Um, 
uh, colleague, friend of mine, Victoria Baines, has just written a whole book about the rhetoric of security. We love all of this really exciting stuff about you know cyber weaponry, cyber war, uh, you know, attacks, uh, and and the like. Um, and it always is a little bit more glamorous if you're talking about hacks rather than fr fraud and theft. You know, it's naughty criminal activity. Sometimes it's big league stuff, nation states and all of uh, all of that kind of stuff. So kind of, I suppose, go, going back to that original question, uh, you know, if you're only ever going to do the one thing, it's keep your devices up to date. You're, you're sent the the um, the additional software, uh, technically or jargon slang, uh, people call it patching. So you put a, uh, a patch over that vulnerability the thing, of course, being, and this is this is again the horrors of this sort of stuff. You buy your washing machine now. Uh, never mind the fact that these things are probably designed to run out either within a few years or certainly one day after the warranty has uh, has, has run out. Um, that on the, on the whole, you can hope to get some decent service out of your uh, out of your computer. Um, but kind of as you add patches and patches and patches, uh, it does tend to get a little perhaps sometimes slower and more, and more complicated. Unfortunately, that could well be the sign that somebody else is using your computer and actually you've missed that opportunity and they've already found a hole somewhere because some of these patches are sent out, you know, with a number of days, weeks or months. Sometimes these vulnerabilities are discovered straight away and uh, people take advantage of them. In fact, again, jargon-wise, people call them zero-day vulnerabilities. And some of the um, exciting things, exciting, upsetting things that, that, you, that you hear on the news are often because somebody's been able to take advantage of a zero-day vulnerability. Some, I say sometimes because nine times out of ten, it's something that people have known about for years uh, and, and, and didn't patch. I mean, the classic one was the telephone company uh, who was, okay, I'll use the word hacked. It's a, uh, you know, you know, there is nothing wrong with hacking unless you're hacking without consent, and that makes you a criminal. But this, telef the, this uh, telephone company um, was hacked um, by a teenager, and the vulnerability that he used to get uh, into their databases was actually older than the lad himself. I'm feeling a uh, deep shame because I've, I've just before this uh, conversation, I uh, ignored the system update. So I feel like I need to uh, to do that immediately after this. Oh, well, okay. Well, no. It, it, it's all a matter of risk. It's all a matter of risk. Oh my goodness! My update stop. Every, everything stops. No, no, let's calm down and put things <laughs> sure. in. I'd worry, I'd worry if you've been doing that, you know, putting that off for months. Uh... One of the things that we're blessed with in, oh dear, is <laughs> confession time. But one of the things we're blessed with in this country is the National Cybersecurity Centre. And you know, there's lots of fantastic work going on in Manchester, and, you know, other universities, uh, you know, commercial companies and the like to do practical stuff, find out which is the best way to behave. The National Cybersecurity Centre does a lot of their own research and they also distill a lot of the knowledge and the and so I don't like the word best practice, uh, good practices. Uh, and uh, they have said that, and I think I'll, I'm getting this right, that you know, as long as you're putting the security, you know, not all patches that they send you are for security. Sometimes it's to make it go faster or add a new feature and the like. But certainly, as long as you are updating your machines with those critical security patches, patches sorry, got the wrong teeth in, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, within 14 days, then, then that's reasonable. Now, 
I think, you know, as an individual, you could probably do it sooner. You know, they're looking at large organizations with thousands of machines, perhaps across the world and the like. So, you know, there is a matter of kind of managing the risk because like, like I said at the beginning, you know, we should be able to enjoy the technology. We don't want to be sat like a, a rabbit in front of the keyboard. I might be mixing my metaphors there. <laughs> yeah, so you've mentioned the importance of updates. Uh, I just wondered if you had any more tips for kind of everyday use. Um, I was thinking that along the lines of maybe passwords. I know that's quite a, an important subject for many people who maybe kind of use the same password for bullet pull purposes. I do love cybersecurity conversations where we can get away without talking about passwords. Right. <laughs> but, okay. Okay. I suppose if I had the solution, which meant that we could have a decent level of security, whatever security means in the first place, if we could have a decent level of security without worrying about passport, uh, passwords, um, I would be uh, sipping sangria on a tropical island somewhere. Actually, no, I wouldn't because I'd find that <laughs> extremely boring. But I'd, what, whatever, it would certainly change the world. But at the moment, at the moment, the idea of kind of some sort of authentication of who you are by using a password seems to be de rigueur. It, it, it's, the, it's the way that things are done. And, but yeah, 100% right. The problem is, is if you use the same password for everything. And that's a problem because the more often you use it, what you're not worrying about is the security measures you've taken, is whether you patch and uh, do other things which we might have time to, uh, to, to, me to mention too. It's what are all the people who are holding that password for authentication using? So, for example, going back to that telephone company, uh, when, when their um, databases were raided, anything that they weren't keeping securely that was going so you know it doesn't and in fact actually you know um for some people writing a password down you know shock horror is <laughs> uh, not necessarily a bad thing you know it's better that you should write down a complex password which is harder to crack and keep that in a secure place uh, you know you don't stick it on a post it note on your screen and yes people still do that <laughs> no you know or stick it on the whiteboard you know behind you know just when, you know, <laughs> when people are walking through the office and all of that kind of stuff you know you need ways to essentially manage a set of passwords and that might be you have your own little formula for generating them uh, and don't sit in the pub saying, hey, I've got this great way of remembering <laughs> passwords. Because, uh, yeah, and, and this is the other thing. It's, this is not just about electronic communications. You know, you have to think about, you know, where you talk about stuff and where you use about stuff. But also there are uh, password, manage password management software to actually look after this stuff and generate the, the, the complex passwords and manage the complex passwords. So you only have to remember one long and complex password, which would take uh, a, a device, uh, or take somebody with a device, a reasonably long time to, act to actually crack to, uh, to look after them. And of course, there are risks associated with that, but there are also <laughs> far greater risks for having one simple password that you remember for everything, there's, you know, there's, there's, you're probably only going to have so many children. So you know, kind of, uh, how many, you know, how many password, you know, how many times can you rely on their names? Um, if if you feel like your internet security has been breached, do you have any kind of 
tips for what people should do in the first instance? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, f firstly, um, well, may maybe not firstly, but actually, I'm just thinking going back to those password things. One thing that, 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 that I didn't that I didn't mention is that many of the services that we have online will offer a second level of checking, a second level of authentication. Again, it's jargon time. Two-factor authentication, uh, multi-factor authentication. I mean, working out who someone is can be done by uh, something they know, which is the, uh, the password, uh, something that they are, which might be you know, a, a fingerprint or a, an iris scan, if you've got the uh, if you've got the right uh, right equipment. And uh, I know of a case where uh, actually um, so, so, uh, a thing, well, I think it was a thumb, a thumb was removed. Um, yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, yeah. So all kind, of, all, all, yeah. Level of risk, level of risk, people. Come on, how often mm -hmm. is that actually going to happen? And actually, in that, that particular case, it didn't uh, really help because uh, he shouted, "This, this, uh, yeah, the, uh, it's, this is the Darwin Awards or whatever they call them." You know, the, uh, the 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 person was mugged and they were running off the laptop. And apparently, he he called after them that it would be useless because he obviously his logic was, "If I call out to them and say that it's going to be useless, you can't use it unless you have my thumbprint." That they yeah. it up yeah. and they'd, uh, they'd nicely say, "Oh, terribly sorry, old chap. Here's your computer back." Uh, no, they came back for the thumb. But um, wow. yeah, okay, you know, you know, bad stuff happens. But um, if there is the, uh, this second level of authentication through something that you are, uh, or something that you uh, know, or something that you have, which might be your mobile phone, it might have a, an app on it which will generate a code. It might be. It might be a number sent to your co uh, to your phone, and of course there are risks with that as well because you know, you know people might uh, um, con the uh, telephone company into sending a new SIM card, and they intercept it, and all of a sudden they can clone your entire phone, take over, take over everything. But yeah, you know, it's it, it is a level of risk. It's often better to do something than nothing at all. So if you can at least introduce this second, you know, this second factor. Uh, uh, authentication so that if somebody has been careless with your password I'm not saying it was you that was careless somebody who was looking after it and they didn't store it in the right, right, right way that actually it's that password is completely devalued because they can't get on without that second level of authentication so that can prevent so many instances and that's what we want to do reduce the risk so we can enjoy our technology but bad stuff will happen so of course, you know we all generally tend to learn learn lessons the hard way. But you know, for anyone who has or hasn't suffered uh, one of these nasties, then you need to think about well, what happened? What would I do? Who would? Uh, it's like Ghostbusters. Who am I going to call? <laughs> who am I going to call? And how are you actually going to do it? Because particularly, you know, imagine you've been in a rush and you've uh, clicked on the notorious link which has now ransomware your device and you're now having problems you can't get to your data or actually perhaps you can't get on your device at all so one of the problems is all of these websites that say you know we'll tell you know we'll give you lots of advice on how to do it but if your device has been as the saying go bricked you can't actually get to them so think about how you might actually approach. Um, it's very challenging 
because you know all you know all the different social media and banks and da 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 um, will have different approaches to how you actually well I suppose again it sounds a little bit jargony recover your account but you probably want to prioritize in terms of what it is that you feel is important to you so um, I would probably call my bank before I try to get my Twitter account back. And so, and these these companies and these people who offer us services, one of the issues certainly with some of the the free services, you know, on the which run on that wonderful business model that uh, you know, if it's free, uh, kind of you're the product and all of that kind of uh, stuff, is that they are probably the most difficult to get in contact with. But at least you can do some homework because, unfortunately, a lot of people have suffered. So know how it is that you're going to get, get into get into contact. Um, banks and what I call perhaps I'd call serious services like that actually are. It's going to sound. I'm going to um, I'm going to start singing the Lion King in a moment. Are part of the circle of life <laughs> because it's recognised that bad stuff happens. And they they will account for spending some money to try and counter bad things which have happened. So the first thing to do is to get into contact with them. Again, I mean, they perhaps quite reasonably do put responsibilities on us, and they do try to tell us stuff. Um, one of the the you know, the, uh, the common. Uh, uh, frauds and it's always down to generally people trying to put pressure on uh, you know you get a message or a call uh, somebody's trying to get into your account but we can help you if you just move your money into this other account and if you're taken in by that fraud it's often very difficult to explain to the bank well you know I've been taken in can I can you underwrite underwrite the problem but you know if Somebody has stolen my credit card. You know, the banks want us all to do all our stuff online. They want us to use our credit cards and our debit cards and the like. You know, if we're not using the financial services, then uh, you know, you know, what are banks around for? So part of their model is to actually help us recover. So they have fraud departments, and you know, so there's a question of you know, well, what's the damage that's been done to me? Is it a fraud thing to do with my bank account? Uh, you know. Uh, who, who do I phone? Get on to get onto the, fra the the fraud department. Some banks, you know, are, are really getting quite sensitive now to this kind of issue because sometimes you think, oh my goodness, my card, you know, my card's been stolen, and actually it's just you can't find it. So you can put temporary <laughs> blocks on uh, and, and the like, um, uh, or there might be some more uh, some some more monitoring. But I mean, I I I, I had it myself. I mean, I mean, some of the threats. I mean, some of the threats are actually quite interesting because um, the, the the problem I had was that, you know, okay, I, I suppose um, I've either got a big mouth or an even bigger internet presence because uh, I do things like podcasts. Mm -hmm. uh, and so people had enough information about me to actually open a bank account and get a credit card uh, oh, in my yes. name. So they weren't wow. even stealing my data. Of course, the issue there was when I started getting letters which they were failing to intercept um, about this thing. And I phoned the bank and said, excuse me, I, this, this isn't me. Um, um, they said, oh, right, yes, we have kind of this, this kind of this stuff happens. We'll put a block on it. We'll stop. We'll stop this now. I became, of course, very interested in what the criminals had used to open this bank account because I, I thought you know other places I'm revealing a little bit too much um, and the the bank wouldn't tell me on the basis of data protection 
it was the criminal's data, not mine. <laughs> um, so we'll move on from passwords. I know you uh, passwords aren't your favourite. Um, so uh, another thing that I've been told is good etiquette around internet security is using uh, VPNs when I'm kind of, well, I guess on any any site that I don't want my data to kind of be revealed. Is that still generally good practice to, to use a VPN or is it kind of just one of those things that's kind of, uh, I guess, more of a myth around internet security? Um, what I should have, what I should have done, I, sh- I, 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 I should have kind of, I should have rehearsed the script for this, for, 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 for this podcast right from the beginning. And I should, what I should have been saying for every question that you ask me, uh, the, the classic answer in security is, it depends. Sure. <laughs> now, just dissecting what you've said um, there in terms of security. Well, certainly a VPN, you know, a virtual private network, is essentially a tunnel. It's a tunnel between you and the people, probably a computer or the people behind the computer or whatever it is, at the other end. And the idea being that it's only you and them have access to this have, have access to this tunnel. So the first thing to think about is that as long as you trust the people at the other end, then the VPN has some helpful aspect to your to, to, to your to your to your security. Um, it might uh, um, you know. I wouldn't want to cast aspersions on present company, but you know, <laughs> sure. you know, but for example, if you wanted to do the old, I'm going to look at something NSFW, you know, not suitable for work. Sure. Uh, using a VPN, if it was you know, naughty, is not uh, it, it, the, the the traceability of, is going to be there on your computer and on the uh, the, uh, the other end as well. It's just the idea being it will prevent, and again, you know, wonderful jargon, the man in the middle attack being able, and why should it be a man? I mean, you know, whoever, you know, person, you know whoever is, is sitting in the middle uh, is able to tap. It should, you know, it, in, in spy thriller terms, it should stop your line being tapped. And there are good VPNs and bad VPNs. And there was a story, I think, a few years ago where actually it was a lot of the data and there was a, a vulnerability in the VPN software. So everybody thought they were using it safely and actually itself. But it's like anything, isn't it? You know, you can always find a problem sooner or later. But on the whole, it's certainly a good thing. Where it can be a, 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 an issue is how that VPN has been set up in the first place. So for example, I can think of a situation where a VPN was set up to protect people's email. Uh, so that uh, as you communicated from wherever you were in the world to your where the email was actually stored, uh, it would go through the VPN and therefore be afforded quite a reasonable degree of security. In fact, to get that VPN connection Fantastic. You needed not just a password, but a second level of authentication. The problem being is that on that device that you were using, it was only your email was going down that VPN. So while you were on your browser, happily logging onto your bank account and your Facebook and Twitter and other social media sites are available, et cetera, et cetera, those, those credentials were still being exposed to, exposed, to, exposed to the world. So like any tool, a VPN has to be 
installed and used in the right way. And certainly, I'd say it's pretty essential if you are, and I personally don't, uh, use kind of, you know, free, you know, station-free Wi-Fi, fantastic. You know, stay away for two reasons. Firstly, you don't know how they secure it. Um, and anybody can sit there with a, a, a device and uh, set up a, you know, a Wi-Fi hotspot called, you know, piccadilly.station.com or whatever it, whatever it might be. So you don't necessarily know that you've actually, and of course, people actually do this. They sit in stations and airports and the like, um, you, know, you know, soaking up uh, all of that uh, extra information. We worry so much about, you know, kind of the big brother database breach. Uh, and I don't think we appreciate uh, kind of the little sister calmly collecting all of those little bits of intelligence and bringing things together so that they can then kind of impersonate you. Uh, perhaps to use your to use your you know, some people don't find out um, there's a, a wonderful book actually it's not really computer related because this was in the days uh, before an identity theft came became fa fashionable but there's a wonderful book by a comedian Ben Aaron uh, called have you heard the one about identity theft um, and I like it for two reasons firstly it's extremely readable and because it's not really around computers it actually makes you think about the day-to-day -day processes and the, the living and the vulnerabilities and our exposure, which we can then think, well, how does that actually apply to my digital life? So we're, we're, we're recording this uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, do, has there been an increase in uh, the, um, the amount of online scamming during the pandemic? And has it kind of led to any changes in the world of internet security? Well, I, I think it certainly has increased the number of people who are required or requiring uh, and should be thinking more about what they uh, what they're doing online because this is no longer just a bit of um, a kind of you know friendly simple interaction. People are becoming much more reliant. Whether there have been more, okay, I'll use the exciting term attacks. Uh, it's always that's always debatable because it maybe it's just the fact that because we're sit, spending all day sitting in front of computers now uh, that we've got more time to report these things, uh, but we're becoming more reliant on them. So that when uh, so there's because of more time, therefore perhaps we might notice things more and therefore need to call, uh, call something out. Where it's certainly become the issue is that it's given the scammers uh, you know, a wonderful background to feed on our fear and uncertainty and doubt, uh, you know, particularly in the early days uh, when so little was known about the virus. So to offer people cures or, or safety measures um, uh, you know, cheap PPE or whatever it might, whatever it might be, feeding on people's uh, people uh, people's fears that way, and using that as a conduit to either get their details for further exploitation uh, or to exploit them straightforward there and then. The criminals have a business model. The criminals have a business model, and therefore, as they soak up all of those, uh, you know, digital identities. Uh, essentially, in the uh, in the same way that people might buy the electoral register for a ma uh, for, for for a mailing, uh, the you know the criminals are selling people's identities to each other, 
Uh, and they even you know, have a ranking in terms of, yeah, this person is easily taken in by scams. Therefore, their record is more valuable. We'll sell you this record because uh, you're going to make more money out of them. They, uh, they, I mean, also, when they ransom your uh, stick ransomware on your on your on your computer, so you can't get to your data, uh, they often have better uh, service support desks than some of the, uh, the the big the big sort of legal service providers because they want you to pay your Bitcoin or whatever it is. So they they will help you out. You can go on the dark web and give them a give them a rating. <laughs> sure. Um, do you do you see this is always existing? Like this is internet security kind of scammers that's always going to exist there's no silver bullet that we can kind of implement that will stop this uh, and i guess linked to that do you think it's going to be uh again you may not know do you think this is going to be a problem that's gets worse like is it more likely that we're going to be scammed in the future or do you think that people are becoming better educated or there's better tools going being developed that will help us in the future all, well, all of those things. I, su I, 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 su I suppose maybe maybe I should say, um, I, I, I hope there's going to be no panacea. I'll be out of a job. No, uh, that was a joke, really. Um, it's, I mean, it's always becoming more complex. We're always getting more, more devices and more tools. And so often when we produce something, there will be a dual use and people will think of ways to use it badly that we hadn't, uh, hadn't originally envisaged. So... I don't see this problem going away, probably not, not ever to a certain extent. I mean, scams and crimes and all of that kind of bad stuff have always been around. People will just find the particular, the particular conduit. What I do think, I mean, I call the sort of where we are now a, a period of inevitable risk. Yeah, we've, you know, um, Tim Berners-Lee came up with this great way of sharing, was it uh, particle physics or astronomical data and, uh, and, and the like uh, over, in, probably particle physics of its turn. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, it's because, uh, and you know, okay, it might have been riding on a background originally d designed for defense, but it never was envisaged quite how it was going to grow. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, whether it was particle physics or, or, or defense, uh, I can now go online and uh, order order me milk from, well, name the big supermarket, not necessarily a big supermarket uh, of, of your choice. So it's being used in so many different so many different ways. There will always be something where there is ah right when those two pieces of software interact. Therefore, there's a vulnerability. It might be a hardware thing as well uh, that people can actually take advantage of. So we're in a period of inevitable risk by people being more educated. But importantly, I hasten to add, educated and provided with better technological controls to make themselves safer as well, then those two things together will help us, and I want to be very positive, to move into a more trustworthy environment. But at the moment, we do seem to be stuck in a rut where we are looking either for the, uh, you know, the, uh, a technical messiah or somebody to blame. And the, uh, either that might be company-wise or it might be an, an individual, even one of the, um, kind of, you know, the big security breaches. And for once, actually, this was a sophisticated, nine times out of 10, people say, oh, you know, the, the, the chief executive of the hacked company 
um, or should we say um, illegally hacked company, um, uh, will go on the TV and they'll say, well, we take our user security very seriously. It's almost like a script. Uh, and this was a sophisticated attack. It, you know, um, you know, they're usually wrong on both counts, of course. Um, where there was one, where uh, there was a very good talk by the National Cybersecurity Center, uh, with, uh, where, where kind of obviously they're facing and looking at all of these things and stopping many and helping many organizations and people recover from the from the from these bad bad things. Where they do look at it, and this is the problem as well, where they look at it, and say, oh, actually, that's rather clever. <laughs> uh, and, 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 but we love it, don't we? You know, I mean, you know, look at you know, we 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 we're watching a hacking movie movie i've gone all american when we're watching a hack a film about hacking uh you know, we end up we end up rooting for the criminals sometimes uh, you know it has got this kind of you know, it has got this glamorous uh, glamorous air so i think what we need to stop doing is trying to fix certainly try and stop fixing things with technology by itself uh, stop blaming users, or stop patronising users and saying, "Oh, you know, the uh, you know the the people who use the technology are our greatest asset." Because to be quite honest, that's just that's just as bad. That's just as bad. And look at this. I mean, and this kind of touches on the on the research work that we're doing here. And look at the symbiosis of the two. And this is what we're so keen about in Manchester. Uh, we have a centre for digital trust and S. And that S doesn't stand for security. It stands for society. It's the Center for Digital Trust and Society. I mean, I'm in the Department of Computer Science, but this is led out of the School of Social Science because it's about the whole behaviors of systems. It's people and the technology working together, lots of different sorts of people. And it means that to look at this and how we might make things safer and improve, yeah, there's computer science involved, there's some mathematics to work at it. There's some engineering, but also there's you know there's psychology, and you know criminology and sociology. Uh, I have a colleague who works in forensic linguistics, you know, which you know, sometimes it's the traceability uh, of where something bad has actually happened, uh, and sometimes it's well, how do we actually get use that language to communicate with the right the, 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 at the right time? Uh, I, I find it interesting that I think the remember the um, little paperclip clippy that you, everybody used to shout out when it came up <laughs> on, it kind of came up on screen. So everybody used to get cross with it, uh, and it was done away with. Um, I have a not terribly well formed theory. I shouldn't say that as a professor, should I? Uh, that perhaps if we had been a little bit more thoughtful on how we critique that. Perhaps we might just have this artificial intelligence nirvana that we're all trying to seek, and some of us are trying to sell us, sell it to us already, whether it's there, whether it's there or not. In terms of the way that the machines help us as the people using them to do the things that we want to do and cope with problems. I mean, asking, I mean, everybody always, we always want to boil things down to a silver bullet. It would be wonderful, wouldn't it? But that level of complexity was uh, was always there. We need to remember that cyber, you know, the idea of cyber comes from cybernetics. It's about steering things. It's about control, communication, and adaptation, and feedback, and learning the lessons. And often that's the challenge, because we don't 
you know learn the lessons and we uh, we you know we're a little bit lazy perhaps on a date updating something etc etc et but with with making certain, you know, putting certain precautions in place. I mean, we've talked we've talked about passwords. Uh, we've talked about patching. Um, the National Cyber Security Centre have a Cyber Five a Day that I think is really achievable to everyone. Uh, they, they call it Cyber Essentials, and as well as the patching and I mean, uh, the password management in that is you know you download some software or you get your router from your telecoms company or whatever, uh, and they come with kind of default passwords on it. Well, hey, anybody else who's got that device is also going to have access to that default password. So don't just plug it in out, out of the box. Plug it in and, hard, again, jargon-wise, harden it a bit, make that, make that right and, and secure for you. What other people don't realize is many of the devices that we use will have two ways of working. There's the kind of the, right, let's get on with our day-to-day -day work type of mode. Uh, kind of so-called user mode, as it were. Uh, and then there's the administrator mode for installing things and changing things and the like. Now, if you separate out and you, okay, a little bit of extra effort, maybe it might mean remembering shock horror two passwords as your user password and your administrator password. But if you're doing your surfing and you're booking your holidays or buying your whatevers from your online sites, et cetera, et cetera, with your user, your, sorry, your, your administrator credentials, then your administrator, wrong teeth again, administrator credentials allows you to do anything on that device. So anything you accidentally click on or perhaps deliberately click on because these are professional criminals who will con you into doing silly things from our perspective, but great things from there, and it's all going to end up in, in tears. Uh, if you've actually clicked on that link and you've got the administrator uh, credentials, then the chances are their malware, their viruses, their trojans, whatever labels we give to their bad software, will go through our systems like fruit through a short grandparent. Whereas at least if we have our user credentials only, then it might limit it a bit. It won't limit everything, but it might just limit the damage a little bit. And also, okay, it might not be exciting, but there are lots of free and lots of paid for as well antivirus packages that we can put on to detect a lot of this malware. It won't detect everything. We know that, but it's a little bit like we say, it's like having a garden fence. A garden fence will not stop people climbing over it and, you know, and, and trampling on the roses. But at least you only have to worry about them. There, as a colleague of mine, actually one of our guest speakers, uh, Professor Colin Williams, comes in every year and does a fabulous uh, lecture about the uh, about the symbiosis of people and technology um, to, to 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 our to our students. As, as he's often said to me, is security shows the boundaries for the honest people, so that you only have to worry about the people who will climb over your fence and the people who will walk around it. Fantastic. So why not? Wipe out. Yeah, okay. Yeah, if you're old enough, you will remember a time when you put the antivirus and your machine started looking as if it was wading through treacle. Again, I'm not sure whether that analogy actually works. But now these machines are, and the computers are so powerful, why would you not do it? And if you do these five cybersecurity essentials that the National Cybersecurity Center recommends, I mean, this is not even a, this is not even a risk-based thing. 
This is basically you plug a device into the internet, and if you haven't done these five protective measures of the cyber essentials, then you're basically um, um, uh, okay. Um, slightly rude word coming up, but to quote ter Terry Pratchett, it's like standing on the top of a mountain in wet copper armor, shouting "All gods are bastards." <laughs> So if you do your five a day, five cyber essentials, it will protect you from 80% of the low level automated attacks. Now, if a criminal organized crime is out to get you, if a nation state is out to get you, they're gonna get you. But on the whole, most of us do not have to worry about that 24 seven. And if you have a day off, then it can be 24 six. But of course, that's the other thing. So many times when uh, we end up, um, you know, trying to uh, explain something on the BBC or other channels and the like, uh, the presenter at some point will say, "Oh well, I suppose the only way to stay 100% secure is to switch off all your computers." But remember what I said earlier: other people have your data, have your digital personas, have your services on their in their domain as well. So actually, switching off your computer. The only person who is going to suffer is you. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you to Professor Daniel Dresner. You can find on Twitter at Daniel G. Dresner. And that's a wrap on season two of The Buzz. We've had some tears, some laughter, and most importantly, some answers to some of the big questions in science and engineering. To find out about what season three has in store, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at UOMSciEng. You can also email us at fscmarketing at manchester.ac.uk. See you guys later. <laughs>